0: Welcome to Ask the Ascot. My name is Michael Back. This is episode 21, Meet the New Zeus, Same as the Old Zeus. each episode, I answer as many of your questions as I can before we are all overcome by fatigue or apoplexy, which ordinarily happens around the 10-minute mark. I'm on Facebook and Twitter at Ask the Ascot, and email AskTheAscot at gmail.com. Send me your questions. In extremely exciting news, I'm delighted to announce that in addition to questions on any topic, I am in particular soliciting questions on the topic of games this week. That's right, gentle listener. I'm preparing a special topics episode on games, and I need your questions. I've already been asked a bunch of great questions on social media and via email, but keep those questions coming about games. At Not Brian Connoy asks, is it manipulative to phrase a question to a five year old like this You're going to flush the toilet, right? Not Brian Connoy, yes, it's certainly manipulative. But, from my perspective, as an adult, middle-aged person who does not live in your house, there should be no limit to how manipulative you are in getting your small people to flush properly. Christie asks, There are many types of mythology. Out of Norse, Greek, and Roman, which is your favorite, and why? Christy, we should start out by defining what mythology means, because all of the most hilarious comedy starts out with definitions. A myth is an important story that a culture tells itself, and a mythology is a collection of those stories. Now, Christy, out of the mythologies you mentioned, The one that I know the least about is Norse. That is, Scandinavian mythology. So obviously, that's the one I like the least. I wish, I desperately wish, Christy, that I were the sort of person who encountered a mysterious topic and immediately embraced it. Why, hello, Norse mythology. You're such a bafflement to me. What an opportunity for intellectual growth you represent. I am truly a pioneer of the mind. This, alas, is not how I am. Let's be honest. I have, at best, a Marvel Cinematic Universe-level understanding of Norse mythology. No, that's not even true. I haven't seen a single one of those Thor movies. Two hours seems like a long time to endure actors pounding away at each other with CGI hammers. So that leaves us with Greek and Roman mythology. As many listeners will already know, Roman mythology borrowed heavily from Greek mythology. It wasn't exactly one-to-one outright theft, although sometimes it was. The ancient Romans certainly loved to steal. I mean, they stole basically the entire Mediterranean world. But the Romans tended to identify their own native gods with gods from cultures they conquered. So the Romans identified their sky god, Jupiter, with the Greek sky god, Zeus. Jupiter's wife, and the queen of the gods, Juno, was associated with Zeus's wife, Hera, and so on. This kind of mythological borrowing is really common whenever different cultures come into contact with each other. For instance, in the years after Alexander the Great conquered Egypt, the Greek goddess of love, Aphrodite, began to be associated with Isis, who was the Egyptian goddess of, well, lots of different stuff. Then, later, when the Romans conquered most of the Greek-speaking world, including Egypt, the worship of Isis was absorbed into the broader Roman Empire. So, a bit by default, my favorite mythology is Roman myth, Christie, because so much of Greek myth is contained within it but I also love Roman mythology because it made possible one of the best experiences I've ever had in a theater. Back in the distant mists of 2003, I saw the play Metamorphoses on Broadway. Metamorphoses was written by Mary Zimmerman, and it's based on a long narrative poem by the ancient Roman poet Ovid. Both the Broadway play and Ovid's poem tell the story of numerous myths. Midas, Orpheus and Eurydice, Narcissus, and so on. All of these myths, incidentally, were originally Greek myths that were adopted by the Romans, and now, I guess, adopted by Americans. Anyway, I saw Metamorphoses with my friend Don DiGiulio. Hi, Don, if you listen to the show. And Don and I saw a matinee. Now, I don't ordinarily like to see theater during the daylight. I think it should be dark outside when you walk into a theater. The dark makes it more magical. But we got cheap tickets for the Wednesday matinee, so there we were. And the script and the performances were funny and beautiful and sad and life-affirming. The play was filled with wonder. It was really everything that you should expect out of live theatre at its best. But there were two aspects of the production that I was not expecting. The first was that the play took place around a pool of water. There was an actual pool in the middle of the stage, and the audience sat on three sides of it. We are talking about a three-quarter thrust stage here for the theatre nerds in the audience. The actor slipped in and out of the pool throughout the production, and the water was used, I thought, in a very effective way. Water appears in many myths, after all. Birth, death, rebirth, all of that. All very sophisticated, layered stuff. But the theater had these signs, written in all caps on the doors, warning people in the first few rows of seating that they might get wet during the production. And there were little towels placed on all of those seats, like we were going to ride the log flume at an amusement park, or like we were about to attend a Gallagher performance. And gentle listener, if you don't know who Gallagher is, you should count the many mercies that Jupiter has bestowed upon you. Incidentally, I don't recall any audience splashback at all during the Metamorphoses. So, I'm sitting there during my Wednesday matinee, wondering if I should have worn a raincoat, and the second surprising thing hits me. This play had a lot of nudity in it. The ancient world did have its share of that sort of thing. Famously, men competed naked in the ancient Olympics and large communal baths were everywhere in ancient Rome. But ordinarily, Americans encounter only the fully clothed in the middle of the afternoon on a Wednesday, even in the city of New York. Now, Christy, for permitting me to don my toga and saunter down memory lane, I'll send you my copy of the script of Metamorphoses as a treat. Tillily asks... What musicals are appropriate for young children? My kids are five and seven and love music, but I'm struggling to find musicals that they will enjoy and are not problematic in some way. My kids don't like violence of any kind and are a bit young for any romantic plots. To Lily, you might consider the original 1964 film version of Mary Poppins. And even though nothing quite shreds my soul like the sound of small children singing, you could also consider Annie, either the stage production or the 1982 film version. However, Annie does attempt to indoctrinate children with the ridiculous idea that billionaires are decent people, so exercise parental discretion there. Let me know how it goes. Before we run out of time today, I must think... My God, 77373 for their lovely review of this podcast on Apple Podcasts. And my hearty thanks as well to everyone who has shared the show on Twitter and Facebook. Lucas, Fully Vaccinated Edition, Madam I Madam, Francis, Holly, Wayne, David, Justin, and, of course, my wife, Crystal. If you've reviewed or shared the show lately and I've somehow missed it, please let me know, and I'll thank you on the air. And please rate, review, and subscribe wherever fine podcasts are downloaded. And share the show with a friend. Your friends all love this podcast. They just don't all realize it yet. My theme music is by my brother, David Beck. You can see David through April 17th, acting in A Touch of the Poet at the Irish Repertory Theater in New York. I'm on Facebook and Twitter at AskTheAscot and email AskTheAscot at gmail.com. Thanks for asking. Farewell.